season five of The Score, the Team Roping Journal's podcast, where we cover the roping industry from top to bottom. This is where the team roping world talks. We talk through tough subjects, we talk big wins, and we talk real issues affecting the community. I'm your host and editor of the Team Roping Journal, Chelsea Schaefer. Hey everyone, it's Chelsea Schaefer. Welcome to The Score. Today we have newly inducted Hall of Famer Bobby Harris on the episode. And it's particularly relevant because he's also the producer of the Badlands Bits and Spurs Team Rubbing for Charity and Derby in Rapid City, South Dakota, August 24th and 25th. Last year, we jumped on board and covered this awesome event right away in their first year. And we're a little ahead of things this year, and we want to tell you all about it. So at the end of the episode, uh, Bobby is going to talk about the futurity and about his strategy behind this four-year-old only event. Um, I say four-year-old only. The futurity is four-year-olds only. And then they've got the derby for five- and six-year-olds. So this event has a $1,000 entry fee per division, 75% payback with a $250 late fee. Uh, Your entry deadline is coming up on August 5th, and you can email those entries by August 12th. Uh, So that's a mail-in entry deadline of August 5th, email deadline of August 12th. It's in Rapid City, South Dakota, the Badlands, Bits and Spurs, Futurity. Okay, now I really am excited because Bobby and I talk about way more than just that in this episode. We talk about his history in Wyoming, uh, how he grew up rodeoing, how he started out. Um, if you missed his Hall of Fame speech, that's on Team Roping Journal's Facebook page. You can head over there and, and check that out. We kind of expand upon some of the things he touched on in that speech. Um, and I really think you are going to enjoy this episode with the world champion, NFR champion, 18-time NFR qualifier, Bobby Harris. And I'm going to tell you more about our episode sponsors, Synergy and Weaver Leather, at our commercial break. So stick around. Bobby, it's Chelsea. How are you? Good. Good morning. Good morning. What are you up to? Oh, we had some people out and roped early this morning, and now I'm going to go and we're doing a water pod project, putting in for some cattle, so we're working, getting ready to leave with the guy here right after I get done talking to you. Well, thank you for making time for me. I appreciate it. Heck yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, congratulations on an amazing weekend. How how do you feel? That was, was fun. Yeah. was <laughs> fun. Yeah, that was fun. Has it, has it all sunk in? Did it all sink in when you were up there on that stage? Tell me. <laughs> You know, uh, yeah, there's just, you know, there's there's one thing about this whole thing that people don't, that people think they know, but they don't know how passionate it is to us. Mm-hmm. You know, it means everything to us. It's, you know, it's what we want to do since we were kids and you put your whole life into it. I mean, it, it's, there's a lot, you know, you did a lot of things that you put second to be able to do this thing. So it's, it's emotional. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was emotional, I think, for all of us watching you. But um, oh, for, I mean everybody, though. I mean, yeah, myself. But everyone has that same feeling. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, when did it hit you? I know, like, Trevor said it didn't really hit him until he was kind of there and people were asking him questions, and it was like, wow, this is a big deal. Like, did it, did it, was it a big deal from the time you got the phone call, or did it take a little while to sink in? Well, it takes a while to sink in. Yes, it's a big deal from the moment they tell you. It's huge, but it doesn't sink in until you, just like what Trevor said, you get there and you look around at all the the people that that were in there before you that, you know, they were all my rodeo idols, mm-hmm. uh, the majority of them, you know, and, and I'm older than ever, you know, than Trevor by a lot. So, you know, the older generation, the guys in the 60s and 70s were guys that I grew up watching that mm-hmm. were in there that, you know, were just, that was really special. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want you to take me back a little bit to the earliest part of your team roping career. Tell me, I I was reading an article that Kendra did with you um, on our website about, about, you know, growing up in Northwest or in Northern Wyoming and all of the, you know, how the team roping world was kind of around Texas and California and Arizona as a kid. What was your earliest team roping experience there in Wyoming like? What kind of arena did you have? Where did y'all go rope? How often did you get to rope? Tell me about that, Bobby. Well, growing up on the ranch, we roped every night. Uh, Dad was tripping steers and roping calves and Mm -hmm. and bulldogging. So we roped every day. you know in the summertime we the hired hands were a bunch of teenage kids usually and 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 usually a family would was working for us so they'd rope but you know no matter what we did all day for the work every evening everybody roped hired hands everybody Mm -hmm. so uh that was just a family thing we did so you and, and the same thing in kendra's speaking in that you know in our time there was no computers there was no phones there were no video games so you were were outside mm-hmm. uh, so we i roped the dummy constantly i mean i was roping a head and dummy all the time and, and a head and dummy because dad tripped steers mm-hmm. um so you know that's just a way of life your dad did it we did it and then the one thing that was different though in grade when we were younger was when fall started we turned our horses out mm-hmm. um you know we you played basketball you played uh you know you uh, baseball football i mean you we played the sports until spring then we got our horses back in mm-hmm. so i mean that was a big difference now where everyone does it 365 we we you know, when school started, we kicked our horses out. Yeah. So, um, but it, it just, you know, I just love roping. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just loved it. Uh, it's a passion. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that, that you have to have. It's just like Trevor. I remember Trevor when he was a little boy, you know, being around the steer ropings and stuff. And, and he was always riding around and chasing steers out. So it's a passion. You know, um, Mm -hmm. what he did just is not about, okay, I'm going to decide to do this. This started when he was little, you Mm -hmm. know, and same way with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when I made the speech about getting my card when I was 15 and people were kind of like, well, why so early? Well, I was ready to get my card. I was I was ready to challenge myself. And I meant that no means was I going to make a living yet, but I was ready to start getting ready to be a professional cowboy. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I want to make I I want to go into when you were when you bought your card and all that. But what kind of horses were you on there at the family ranch in Wyoming? What what were they like? Bill Spratt kind of horses? Like who was raising horses that you were riding at the time? Well, we bought you just buy them wherever. We bought one horse uh, called Tar Baby uh, from Terry McGinley. Mm-hmm. That was one of my first horses as a kid. Uh, we another horse called Laco, which would be just L A C O from Marvin Cantrell, that I was very successful on. Uh, there was no specific breed. We weren't breed. My folks weren't raising any horses, so you would just buy whatever horse that you needed and uh, go from there. Those were my two horses. Mm-hmm. And George, George was a horse my mom run barrels and my dad rode calves on that I break away and headed on when I was five and six years old. And what was the horse that you were riding then when you went ahead and got your card? What kind of horse did you have at that time? That would have been the, that tar baby. Mm-hmm. That would have been. He was he was just a little black quarter horse. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I couldn't tell you the breeding on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, either one of them I could, couldn't tell you because, you know, it didn't mean anything to me. You know, yeah. I was just, I was ready to ride anything. So. <laughs> uh, but that was the horse that I had. And then <clears throat> the first year I made the finals, it was a calf horse that I had bought in high school that I was rolling calves on and turned him into a heel horse. Uh, I bought him from Kurt Kinghorn, and then I went to Healing on him. And he was a thinner, higher-headed horse, but he really fit me at that time, and I won a lot on him uh, that I used for a long time. And then I bought my Roan horse that I called Roni mm-hmm. in 80, 84 that was my best horse that fit me through my whole career. Gotcha. And that was – tell me how different were the heel horses working at that time, Bobby? In, in the 80s and 90s, how how different uh, position did you ride? How, how different did you require your horses to work than now? Well, the, here's the whole thing that people need to, mm-hmm. that I really, they need to start understanding is this, who the greatest is, who the greatest blah, 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 is all a bunch of baloney. Mm-hmm. Because, because everybody at their time was doing the best they could with what there was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I'll just use this real, the horses of the 70s, when I started late 70s and 80s in the rodeo on, were really, really good horses because the steers were big, the scores yeah. were long. Uh, you had to have a really solid horse because you, you didn't rope as fast because those steers didn't handle as fast. And, and it was a different time. It was more about catching than it was how fast you could throw. So... That's why the position, you, you didn't ride near as high. Mm-hmm. You didn't go by the steer like they did, like they do nowadays. You, did, you didn't get a straight because if you roped a leg at any time, you didn't win anything. You know, I mean, it was about catching. So mm-hmm. you had to, like, I, I always like to say you were, we were more of a defensive roper mm-hmm. than an offensive. Like today, they're very offensive ropers, mm-hmm. you know, where we were defensive ropers, making sure that we caught. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And then, like I said, you know, the we were, you know, Leo was huge in the timing and catching, but our generation uh, was huge in, in in speeding it up and roping faster. Yeah, and you know, catching bigger cattle. You know, you take you take our generation from when I started in '81. There was, you know, Walt to '82 was T and Leo, and '83 was. Uh, 
trying to think of who won the world in 83. Uh, I don't have my maybe, list in front of me. Maybe Al Bach. Maybe. <laughs> maybe I don't have the list. Um, when you know, did Jake... I think maybe... I, I, you know, I'll have to think about yeah. that in 83. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to the finals in 83. It's the only time I didn't go in a long time. Oh, Leo won it in 83. I gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Mike and B, and then Jake and Clay started their string. Yeah. You know? So... You know, Al Bach, myself, uh, you know, through that time right there, there wasn't a lot of different people that won the world, mm-hmm. you know. So that's when it started to change to be a little bit faster. You know, steers were still big. Um, but, you know, that's why I say at our time, that's why, you know, if you take those same guys at our time and you put them right now, we would adjust and learn how to rope. Mm-hmm however they're roping now you know yeah when you were trying to speed up the roping and speed up your own roping was there something because you know so many people who listen to this podcast and read the team roping journal are lower number people who are trying to get faster um was there something that when you were trying to speed things up that you struggled with and that you really found was like a a secret or a or something you had to focus on uh well we grew up I grew up up here in the north you know where we roped in little bitty barns so I could throw fast mm-hmm. uh, throwing fast was not the problem catching two feet consistently was the problem mm-hmm. uh, so you had to learn to slow down to let things come together you may go one more jump to catch that steer and that's what you have to learn that's what you had to learn and you still have to learn that to this day yeah uh you don't it's not about just going fast you still got to learn how to rope a walker a dragger you know all sorts of different steers everybody can catch a steer that hops mm-hmm. and, and it was the same way back then but it, if this steer hits and walks that's the difference between winning and losing so we really had to learn how to rope those types of steers bigger steers because you would see that more often Mm -hmm. or today you know these steers they may not hop but they're still in the air because they're lighter uh so that was the biggest thing you had to learn we could throw fast Mm -hmm. but you had to learn to catch two feet (laughs) because leo danny danny watkins walt uh al you know when i first came in and then clay and i come in at the same time uh you know, and then Clay, he 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 caught everything. You know, uh, so you had that's where you had to learn to catch more because they forced you to learn how to be consistent. Yeah, certainly one of those iron sharpens iron situations. Exactly. You yeah, know, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. What was um? You know, people always love to talk rodeo stories and rodeo travel stories. What was? Did you and T travel together a lot while you guys were rodeoing? Oh, yeah, we traveled a lot. Uh, you know, from 86, you know, we started roping at 85 at the finals. Mm-hmm. And from 86 through, uh, you know, I moved home in 89 and we quit roping there for one year and then started up again. But we went everywhere together. I mean, we traveled. You know, if it was close, we may take two outfits. But we, we traveled together everywhere. And there was no living quarters. You got... You know, you got your pickup and a stock trailer, you know, and you went and traveled and you'd be gone for a month. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd fly places, you do. So we spent a lot of time together, you know. Mm-hmm. Who was who was the better driver? Who would drive longer? Did you guys share pretty good? No, we shared really good. You know, <laughs> the thing you'll run into is uh, 
like I drive a lot mm -hmm. because I, I had to from living up here traveling. So I drive a lot. But what you run into about uh, the driving part is you have to trust that guy when you're sleeping. <laughs> okay. Uh -huh. So if you don't, if you don't trust that guy, you don't sleep very well. And I trust T as much as I trust myself. So it was real. That's what was nice. I mean, we would drive, and uh, then it's whatever time you got tired, you'd try to drive three, four, five hours, and then the next guy would drive the same. And we'd cover a lot of country. You know, we'd leave Phoenix in the Arizona in the after in the evening when we were done, and get to get home the next day, you know, mm -hmm. driving straight through. So, when did you decide? And you know, okay, I've been working pretty much in the same job for for 12 years now when so my historical knowledge isn't 20 30 years back like like Kendra's is because she's so so brilliant um when she's did you so old. no I would never tell Kendra that she's so old Kendra I'm sorry Bobby said that I did not yeah um I it's funny because like Colby and Russell and all those guys they kind of we grew up together essentially doing this and we always think how old we are because we certainly don't feel like we used to. Uh, but So I get it a little bit. Um, but anyway, I was going to ask, what was the deciding factor with you on slowing down from rodeoing? Was it with family? Was it ability? Tell me, how. what, what made you decide to slow down? Well, this cycle... Uh and everyone goes through it. It's the very same for everybody. They may they may speak differently about it, but it's really the same. When you're 18, 19 and you take off, mm -hmm. you don't care what they do. You don't care if they rope goats. You don't <laughs> care if they rope whatever. You're going because mm -hmm. you want to be there. Then you learn the ropes. You learn how to rodeo. And I've always felt this way. You, you learn where you're at in the pecking order. Mm -hmm. uh, so just like myself, I used when I started out, I was tickled to make the finals. I was just tickled to be a top 15 guy and make the national finals rodeo for first couple, three times I made it. Because that's just, you're still, no matter what they say, you're, you're still learning. Mm -hmm. You're still trying to figure this deal out. You're trying to get the right partner. So then I started getting better partners and I became... As I was roping, I was like, "Well, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe I'm the top ten now, you know." Uh, then you find, you know, I roped with Doyle. You know, I had great partners. You know, you, you look through, but you're looking for that combination. Mm -hmm. So I roped with Doyle in '85, and heck, he was right there with Jake and Clay all year long, but just didn't want a rodeo. I mean, we had a great year. So in '85, I start roping with T at the finals, which to me was that was my opportunity. This was my time because I felt that, I always felt that T was the best header in the world because I'd watched him in 80, uh, 80 and 82, and I just watched him. And he just was, had that it thing, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and, Jake, and Jake also, I mean, and, and D, but they just, you know, there's just a handful of them guys that you want to rope with that you know that make you better. So when I got to rope with T, in 85, we both were going to start tripping steers. He had already tripped steers. Um, I grew up tripping steers, so that was just an easy thing for me to do. Mm -hmm. uh, we just clicked. Mm -hmm. uh, we just, we had that factor. So, you know, 
then you know you're one of the top guys. Mm-hmm. You know, at that time, I knew I was one of the top three guys. I felt like I was one of the top three guys in the world. You know, uh, and in '86, I missed the steer for Clay to have a or for T to have a chance to win the world at the finals. I missed the last steer. In fact, that's still the steer that haunts me today. Really. It's, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 87, we placed in 9 out of 10 rounds. We split the average. And basically, we had the world in control. And Jake and Clay come back and win five rounds and move up in the average and beat us. Mm -hmm. You know? So, 88, we didn't really contend. Uh, Then 89, I went home to Wyoming. And then we started up in 90 again at the finals and won the finals. And then won the world so i mean it's just a year time and then after that i I know i was still good but Mm -hmm. it just changed for me uh Mm -hmm. you know i really probably could have been done rodeoing in the next two years uh just because you know i i'd done what i wanted to do but this is what i did for a living and kept doing it Mm -hmm. and had some good years But, you know, that time from 85 at the finals or, you know, 85 in the spring of the year of Doyle till 92, 93, that was my best years of rodeo. Mm -hmm. And and then the last year you made the finals, is that the year you won the average with JD or did you make it after that? No, I made it no two with JD, with and, and that was a mm-hmm. highlight. JD and I being mm-hmm. lifetime friends and roping together and winning the average together. You know, I mean, that means a lot. You know, uh, but then I made him again in ten. I wanted to go one more time with Britt. We we mm-hmm. come in in the top five five in the world, uh, and just Britt didn't have a good finals. You know, he just then things happen. You get there and sure, you know, just, things just don't work, and that's it. And and I always tell everybody, you know. Everything gets put in place. My mother had passed away September 28th, the year we made the finals mm-hmm. in 10. So when I get to the finals, whether I win or not, I'm just thankful to be there. Yeah. You know, and, and yes, you want to win. And no, it, it was no fun not winning. But, you know, the you get things put into perspective when you lose someone like that. And, mm-hmm. and then it was, it's all right. That's the way things go. And, I, and the funny thing is, is we were right behind Trevor and Patrick. Yeah. The finals. Yeah. So they're just they're just smoking every steer they run, and we can't get anything going. So you know, <laughs> it's just one of them things. Well, and I had forgotten about that that you made it in 2010. I mean, that's essentially the modern era of team roping. Like the the difference between the finals at tw- in 2010, you know, after they've already been three three the year before, versus in the 80s. I mean, what a what a gap in generations, but. Uh, well, something that people need to remember, and this happens in everything, you know, mm-hmm. I always get the biggest kick out of these guys playing, talking about the best basketball player. Well, of course, I think Michael Jordan's the best basketball player, but it's who I watched. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what about Bill Russell? I think he only won 11 championships, you know, mm-hmm. and he's probably, he was the greatest at his time. And, and if they want to say LeBron is at this time, that's fine, too. That's why I say this talking about who the best is in the team roping and Mm -hmm. everything everything like that everyone's good in their own era Mm -hmm. yeah you know and 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 that's just like that the one thing that you that anybody can play in each other's era and that's when i made it in 10 people are like you think you'll make it and i'm like uh 
yes, I'll make it. There's no, <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind I'll make it because that's the way I'm wired. Yeah, that's what's so impressive. I mean, to make it in your, what they would say, original era, and then, you know, 30 years later, it still be, you know, your skills still apply. That's impressive. Oh, yeah, you don't. Yeah. And I made the finals in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010. I made them in four decades. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people have done that. No. You know, made him, the first year I made him, I was 18 years old. The last time I made him, I was, four, or was 47. <laughs> that's pretty freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, that's why when people say, you know, you know, we may not go anymore, but I still rope, you know. Mm-hmm. Trevor can still rope, you know. Mm-hmm. Whoever, I mean, Walt's out there trying to make the finals now, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he sure, sure. is. Not, that's that's fabulous. Al Bach can still rope. Clay can still rope. T can still rope. I mean, our era can still rope. It's just back to that question. I, mm-hmm. I guess I kind of got drawn away from it. Is your your priorities change? Uh, so that's why I said when 92, 93, 94, right in there, I was probably done. Mm-hmm. Uh, because now you have a family. Uh, you're, you don't live by the seat of your pants anymore. Uh, certain things mean something to you more, you know, making sure, you know, when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, you don't care if you're sleeping in the back of the pickup or underneath mm-hmm. the tree. You, you, you don't care. But now you have a family, you want to take care of them. So now the pressure changes on you to perform and to win and everything. And that's what changes when when you go. I mean, not that you still can't perform. It's just that it, your life changes as you grow older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That makes that makes sense. I think <laughs> even yeah. even in my thirties, I think I get that. That's for sure. <laughs> well, yeah. Look at your life. I mean, yeah, when you were twenty. Totally you know, different. Totally. You different. have children, don't you? I do. Yeah, I've one. She's. I begged her not to come into my office right now. I've bribed yeah, and her. How old is she? She's five. She's five. Yeah. So go back just ten years. Yep. <laughs> you didn't even have child. You know, and, no. and five now, and it's like everything is around them now. Yep. So. You know, so that's that's what changes a lot. Yes, I, I had to bribe the child with the YouTube to let me record this podcast. There, there you go. <laughs> we learned to do that. <laughs> Train with Smarty, ride with Synergy. Known for well-built gear that supports you and your equine athlete, Synergy by Weaver's premium materials and American craftsmanship work together in Synergy with the latest technology for performance you can trust. With over 45 years of experience, Weaver Leather's rich heritage of fine craftsmanship pairs with Alan Bach's lifetime of first-hand experience to deliver hard-working tack you can depend on both in and out of the arena. Synergy by Weaver is backed by a no-risk 90-day test ride guarantee. Their team is confident in every product they make. If the product does not meet your expectations for any reason, simply return the item to the place of purchase within 90 days for a full refund. For more information, visit ridethebrand.com. (laughs) 
Well, Bobby, tell me about the kind of horses that you are riding now um, on the ranch and then the kind of horses that you hope um, are involved in the futurity process. And then, of course, we're definitely going to talk about your futurity. So tell me about. Well, yeah, you know, uh, I will say that in my career, you know, I rode a lot of Leo bred horses mm-hmm. uh, that were good. Um, the biggest thing that happens in rodeo when you're and driftwood, my mother raised driftwoods later on, but she sold them as weanlings, so we never rode them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens is, is you really don't look at the breeding; you look at what can you win on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still believe that's true to this day. I believe that's a huge thing you need to remember. But now the breeding is so well um, and so good because everyone did that. You know, everyone now is raising good horses, whether it be a metallic cat, whether it's a highbrow cat, whether it's a Sunfrost, whether it's a Frenchman's guy, whatever it is, those horses have been bred to good mares. And so the selection is of better horses, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there's still the old-time horses, the, which I believe the Driftwoods, the Hancocks, the Leos, uh, that are good horses. They just take a little longer. You know, mm-hmm. everyone now wants their... I don't know why I lost it. But... <laughs> Me neither. That's okay. Um, uh, you know, that's the difference. You know, uh you didn't take a horse to the finals unless he was 17, 18 years old, usually, mm-hmm. you know, and it still happens. I mean, you still want a seasoned horse, but these horses now can perform mm-hmm. at such a young age because of their breeding. You know, that's one big thing that's changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I uh, you know, being in the North, you're, you're still always looking at the same things everybody else is, you know, and that's the other thing to go from, Gillette, Wyoming to Fort Worth, Texas takes 17 hours and that's nothing anymore. People do that all the time. Mm -hmm. So where back in the day, you just didn't take off driving like that. You're like, man, that's that's a long ways to go. Where now that's nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, so your 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 ability to find horses is way different now. Mm -hmm. Put in the internet, you may find a horse in Florida and can have him here in three days. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's what's changed tremendously. And you told me you have a good young one that you're not going to show at your futurity, but you might show it somewhere else. What are you riding right now that you're excited about? Well, this colt, uh, his dad, and, and I don't have the name of him right now, but his dad won half a million in the rainy. Mm-hmm. And he's a real nice young four-year-old. Uh, we got a couple three-year-olds for next year that are cat itchy bred horses, uh, Got a little bit of uh, some highbrow cat in there, uh, one-time Pepto. You know, that I ride, I go cowboy on them. Mm-hmm. I get them outside, and then we rope on them, we go outside. Uh, I, and I'm not going to show him because it's my fraternity, and I don't mm-hmm. think that's right to show in your own fraternity, which I think is going to be one of the better fraternities, and I don't even get to show in it. But, <laughs> uh, you know... I'm always looking for anything. Uh, my connection to a lot of horses is J.D. Gerard, my partner in the fraternity. He finds a lot of horses. John mm-hmm. Phillip, J.D. Yates. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll ask them what, what they have, what they're looking at. Uh, Trevor, you know, raising his horses. He's always got nice horses. Uh, I yeah. just, uh, I was still kind of under the influence of... Uh, 
whatever it's good. I didn't really care how he was bred. I, if he worked good, uh-huh. I like that horse. If he didn't work good, then it didn't matter to me. You know, whether <laughs> they don't care how well bred he is. Yeah. They, what the breeding was, anyways. So, mm-hmm. uh, so we have a colt that we had a stud that. Uh, was the three bars on the top side and orphan drift on the bottom that a friend gave me 20 years ago and he just passed away last year where we headed heel tripped rope calves goat tied and cow horse on him all in high school and he made it in each one of those events as a four-year-old i rode him at houston the dodge circuit finals we tripped on him at cheyenne um, I healed on him, like I said, at Houston and all those rodeos, and he just passed away. And I've got his last colt that is out of a Tennessee bred mare that was a half sister to my to my daughter's uh, cow horse she won Reserve World Champion on. So we've got him. He's just coming too, and he's a real big, stout looking colt that I left a stud colt to see what he is. But we'll ranch on him, and and there's a place for that horse, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he works, if not, then we'll gild him. But you know, we're really excited about him to do something in the future. Uh, I just, in fact, I just talked to Ty Cowan this morning about his. He called to congrats to congratulate me on the Hall of Fame, and we was talking about some of his horses and he lives in Highmore where I live in the winter and mm-hmm. we're going to gather this fall and probably go pick up one of his whether you know whatever he's got down there you know uh, uh, oh I was trying to think of what that stud they have right now that they're they've got uh, is it the PC Tully Frost horse you know yeah that's one of them but mm-hmm. the other one they're breeding to the barrel horse the older gray horse oh stud. it's not epic leader it's I know who you mean. I can't think of the name just right now because we're talking yeah. about it. But I know anyway, his daughter real well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Driftwood. I always like the Driftwood horse. They take a little longer. And, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you something. And this is crazy. My mom raised, raised Driftwood and Hancocks. I, and like I said, we never rode them because she sold them as babies. But I just had one I sold last week that I bought that on the bottom side of his the stud's gone and the mare's gone this colt was out of but on the bottom side of the mare dock bar was on two generations back i mean so he was really old mm-hmm. old, old breeding and then yeah. on the top side he was hancock mm-hmm. and just a really nice horse which people would be like oh hancock he's gonna buck you off whatever well no not all of them did mm-hmm. there was a lot of them that were really good horses you know mm-hmm. and so same same thing like that you know i just kind of pick horses up you know, whatever I think is working and that will fit fit what I want to do. They have to be multi-purpose for me. Sure. From the ranch. Yeah. I course. need to be able to head on them, heel on them, go cowboy on them. Um, you know, so their confirmation is really, really important with them. Mm-hmm. What, what parts of the confirmation do you like? What's your preference? You know, I really, I, Olin Young told me when I was a young man, at a calf roping school, which people go, who's Olin Young, but probably one of the finest horsemen and ropers there was. He is. He's still alive. But he mm-hmm. said, if you don't have a place for that saddle to sit, then he's not going to last. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I've seen that is very true. We've got a, there's a lot of horses that are very athletic and they work, but their confirmation is not as good as it needs to be. And mm-hmm. pretty soon they get sore. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the confirmation. So I really try to make sure they got good shoulders and withers that tie in. Uh, you know, and, a, and and their hawks are up underneath of them. You know, 
so it, so that when they take a jerk or they're used, their body can withstand it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, tell me about why it was, and, it, and we've talked about this in the written article, but I don't think we've ever talked about it on a podcast. Tell me about your four-year-old futurity and why a four-year-old futurity is so important to you in South Dakota in, in, in this time of year, at the end of August. Well, the reason we do it in the end of August is because now they're older. Mm-hmm. You know, they're coming into their five-year-old year, so they've had the time... Uh, to get trained slowly. And like I said a minute ago, you know, these horses are so athletic now that they can do so many things when they're young. Mm -hmm. But we still need to let their minds and their bodies catch up to them so you have a longevity with them. Mm -hmm. So when we talked about having this maturity, we felt, and and the one thing that people need to really understand about all this maturity stuff is, is there's no right or wrong for anybody to say what they want to do just like Jay's having his and he has um, I believe a six year old five year old and a four year old all together or younger Mm -hmm. but you can ride a six year old which is fine that's wonderful Um, with maybe he'll have a four year old incentive well that's fine we just felt that we wanted to try to start tying in with the cow horse, the cutting, and take those young horses, and, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the cow horse and the cuttings when they're three, isn't that correct? I think so, yeah. So now you can take that horse from being broke there, and he has now another fraternity you can get him ready for in a four-year-old fraternity, and compete against his own four-year-olds, and then and then still go to Jay's. I mean, you can still go to both, mm-hmm. but then still go to a five and a six-year-old. We also have a maturity with ours, mm-hmm. a five and six-year-old maturity. So you could show them for three years in that. Uh, so now you're building these horses. So they've gone from a three-year-old in the cutting and cow horse. They go to the four-year-old fraternity team roping. Then you can still go to the five and six-year-old maturities or fraternity, whatever they want to call it. Mm-hmm. And then by then you have a finished horse for the jackpotters to go on with the rest of their life. Yeah. Uh, it just makes sense to us mm-hmm. that, that you do that. Um, so when we did this, and I just spoke to Trevor at the Hall of Fame, we were visiting because he's big into it. Mm-hmm. We were thinking, or what I was telling him, I I really would like to see a huge, and, and we may do it with ours as we grow. You know, we need to have a security for a four-year-old that pays 100000 mm-hmm. for the header, pays 100000 for the four-year-old healer, you know, a stepping stone deal I'm, uh, so that you can take that three-year-old and have him ready to go. And you're shining. He's showing when he's four. And the people that own him, I mean, whether he's a stud, a mare, gilding, or whatever, you're like, now you get more people interested in that same product Mm -hmm. to go on, you know. And they are. Don't get me wrong. I know they are. People are doing that. But now we're breeding these horses specifically for the team roping fraternity. It doesn't have to be the cow horse and the cutting. Mm -hmm. You can start breeding, raising your horses specifically for the roping fraternity. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that's, but you guys have chosen not to do a stallion incentive with yours. Is that correct? You, it's open. Your fraternity is open to anybody, whether they're enrolled in any sort of rope horse uh, incentive program or not. Correct. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the reason we're doing that is simply, I want to, I want anybody and everybody to feel that they don't have to come, they don't have to pay into an incentive to be eligible to come to this. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, you can correct me, which would be fine. You don't have to be in an incentive to go to the cow horse security, do you? I don't think so. I think it. I don't. I don't believe so. Or the cutting. Mm-mm. Now, these people can create their own incentives. Mm-hmm. You know, which is fine. They can say, well, if you if you own our stud and we do this, we're going to give you a twenty five hundred dollar bonus if you win this, and he's bred by this stud. Mm-hmm. I don't need them to pay me to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing this. We're we are doing this. Our families, JD and I's families, we're doing this because we want to showcase a four year old horse. Mm-hmm. That's the number one reason. We want someone, and we also have an intermediate, a side pot, which is a hundred percent payback. That if he's, I don't care if he's in Wisconsin, New York, California, and he raises a nice four-year-old and he trains him, he has a place he can go show this horse in a couple divisions mm-hmm. without having to pay into an incentive to do it. Sure. We, we feel that's very important. Yeah, absolutely. Now, there's more money. I understand why they're doing it. That's, yeah. That's fine. We just chose not to do that. Sure, of course. Um, and then I know you, we've talked about your cattle, too. You're going to be very specific about what kind of cattle these guys get to rope. Is that correct? Absolutely. You know, there's a jackpot. Uh, Koi Thompson, we use Koi steers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a jackpot on Tuesday that we will start sifting through them a little bit. You know, uh, last year we didn't have to do much of a sift. Uh, there was a couple we took off. We took off the soft end and took off the the, the strong end. We want good, strong cattle. But when we get to the maturity, we I talk to these guys and I ask them. We look at the situation and we I said, you know, this is where we're setting it. This is why we think it's good. But we're gonna if I need to adjust the barrier by the time the four year old maturity comes along, I've got to see these cattle at the jackpot the maturity heading and the maturity healing before we start and we should have a real good call on our steers by the time our fraternity stops mm-hmm. starts. so um so we set the barriers according and here's another thing that we do we usually start with our healing first so we've got one more run on the steers before we got the four-year-old head horses have to go Oh, okay. Tell me. That, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, but that's never... why we do the healing first. Mm-hmm. So that we've got one more run, you know, one more run on the cattle to see where they're at before we do the head work. So we know that the setups, we want this to be in favor of the horses so they can show themselves the best. We don't want them to be to where it's it's going to blow them up. I mean, we want it to where they have to try and has to be good. So that's why we're so picky about that situation. Well, I love it. That's, that is awesome. Um, and then, yeah, you said you're going to set the barriers accordingly. Remind me, is it a rope barrier or an uh, electric eye? Electric eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, uh, we do the electric eye simply because it's easier we run it faster sure yeah you know a rope barrier is plumb fine we just choose not to do that you know the other thing that we do in our fraternity is is you know our our average is based on 
judges scores it has nothing to do with time uh, you know and people ask about that and, and the reason is I don't want these horses to have to be stressed out I mean I, they have to go work because our judges are team ropers they're not mm-hmm. AQH judges they're not horse show they're team ropers and we want these horses to work like team roping horses but the simple thing to explain that is is if you have a horse that walks in the box, turns around, gets in the corner, and scores, runs and rates, handles the steer and faces, you have a chance to win something in our fraternity. Mm-hmm. Um, if your horse has some quirks, if he's going to kick his butt out of the corner, if he's going to rear a little bit, you know, anything, you're going to be docked. Uh and it's not a, it's just, that's just, it's that simple. It's not about, this deal is not about the roper. It's about the horse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why I take the time out. Now we use the time for the go around. So, and that doesn't mean that if your horse works good, you can't win the rounds because it is on time for the go arounds. But if your horse happened to blow up a little bit on you and being a four-year-old, that may happen. It still gives you a chance to win something. Yeah, and that, um, like, and and I think that is what I heard from everybody last year that went. They were very pleased with with the way it all went, and and that seems like it was positive feedback pretty much across the board. Is there anything you learned last year that you're going to do differently this year or staying the course? You know, we're staying the course because we talked about that. We talked about do we want to make some changes, and we're like, we thought things went very well. so why, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's something that happens in this world is if it's good, why do we have to mess it up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we always think we got to torque some, tweak something. You don't have to. I mean, and, and it, it was good. And, and, you know, it's very simple. Uh, we don't have specific points except if you break the barrier, it's five, sec, uh, five points. Mm-hmm. If you rope a leg, it's three points. Those are the only things that are specific. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, in our judges, there's no uh, only a certain amount of points taken away at each at each one of the the categories. It's up to the judge. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes it so good. I've yeah. always felt that. Uh, and we bring these judges in here, and we want them to judge it accordingly to what they see, what they like. And what we've talked about, not get into a roping match. And I think that happens a lot. They pretty soon, sometimes they get to watching these guys rope and they forget about the horse. Yeah. Uh, We try to stay away from that. You know, if your horse makes a mistake, whether you catch or not, if he makes a mistake, we want that horse to be rewarded for doing good or uh, penalized for doing, doing wrong. You know? Mm Mm-hmm. And what do you have last year? How many teams did you get or how many horses did you get on each side? Do you remember? You know, I, I'm trying to remember. I think we got right at 30 healers and maybe just a few less headers. Mm-hmm. Um, we had some people come from Canada mm-hmm. that did well. Uh, people from Texas, you know, Trevor and John Phillip and uh, Dakota Kirk and Slager, Brad Lund, mm-hmm. you know, J.D. Yates. We had a good... Yeah. For our first year, we were very pleased because, you know, we were, you know, we were, 
I knew how to put it on, knew what we wanted to do. It's just, you know, you learn, you see it. And what we did was good. We were real, real pleased with how things went. And I think this year we're a little further ahead on promoting it and letting people know about it. Or at Absolutely. Least, yeah. So I think it'll you be know. great. And I, and, 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 you know, uh, and I, I really want people to understand something about this is just like, Matt Zancanella with the Royal Crown and Jay doing his. That's all awesome. That mm-hmm. is all awesome. And everyone, you can do what they want to. It's their own deal. Uh, that's what I like about it. That's why I think would be really nice. And, and, and you can still have the maturities, just like at the, I believe the fraternity, maybe they don't. But like, don't they have several different other things going on also? Yeah. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. that would be the same thing with ours. You know, have one big one, have everybody have their deals and whatever, but wouldn't it be nice to have a big fraternity championship where it paid 100000 Yeah. uh, each year? You know, and the only reason I say a four-year-old is because that we're we're in line with the other fraternities. You know, we're we're, the next step for a cut horse, cow horse would be team roping. Mm -hmm. So to me, it lines up well. You know, to yeah. showcase a four-year-old because then you can still showcase them as a five and six. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like there's just a, one thing that I am excited for with the fraternity industry is that it doesn't really seem like anybody is going on top of anybody yet, or it, it doesn't seem like anything's mutually exclusive. Like if you do one, you can't do the other. They all seem to be timed out pretty nicely, and and people can people are making them all work up to this. Point. Well, and I'll tell you something. If we start doing that, if we start planning over the top of each other, then we're fools. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and they need, they all can hear that from me. We're fools if we do that because we need to grow this industry. We don't need to make a decline because we want to step on each other or something because that has nothing to do with any of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so they shouldn't be, and, and we don't. We, I, we don't. We look at this. We are putting ours on because Central State Fair came to us and wanted us to do our fraternity there. Mm-hmm. So we're tying it in with the rodeo, the jackpot, and everything. That's why we have it in the middle of the week this week because they moved the rodeo forward, and we wanted to stay in tow with the rodeo, the jackpot, so when people come, they can do more than one thing. Yeah, yeah. Because that's a, that's a great end of the year, like for for the people in your circuit too, like both the Mountain States and the Badlands circuit. That's an important place for them to come that time of the year. It's like the last one of your last chances. So who knows? Maybe those guys will be throwing younger horses in the trailer too to come play. We can well, and that's why it's there. Why mm-hmm. you're there? You can do more than one thing. Yeah. And the other thing, these guys rodeo nowadays. They need to learn to do that. So you're you have a chance to make money in everything you do. You know, tie. You can kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It seems like so many have chosen either the the horse show route or the or the rodeo route and this especially with the timing is an opportunity to possibly give both a try. It seems like there are some guys I know like even Levi O'Keefe that um that runs the Royal Crown with Matt Zancanella. He's got young horses, you know, fraternity horses, and he's out there circuit rodeoing. So hopefully there become more people like him that are absolutely. Trying. You know, and that's that's the big thing about it. It's 
I, and I've always said it's not it has nothing to do with AQHA mm-hmm. or whatever. It's just that we are taking the team roping industry and we're making, which I believe the AQHA needs needed to make some changes on how you work your horses and how you show your horses also because the team roping world is so big now mm-hmm. uh, you know there's so much money and if they can go and win like at the at the world series finals two hundred thousand dollars in a day yeah you know yeah. so i mean that's why if we grow good young horses these people buy them when you're done security them at six year or maturity at six years old my goodness they, they can buy this horse and say, well, look, they've won 150000 on this horse through his maturity and maturity years. So apparently he should be worth one hundred and fifty or $200,000. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's how I think about things. Yeah. Yeah. It is uh, hopeful that that continues. I mean, it looks like it's all moving in the right direction as far yeah, as that goes. Yeah, very much so. Very much yeah. so. Yeah. Absolutely. With you guys, you know, I mean, this, you know, it's just huge how much publicity everything's getting now. And just like with ours, you know, we're just, we are tickled to put this on. Yeah. It's for, it's for the horses. It's for the trainers. It's for the owners. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is no, uh, it's for everyone to do good. Now, the bottom line with ours is it is what it is and it's going to be run that way and and like i said before our judges have the final say i don't have the final say they have the final say on reruns because it's in their hands i believe they should make the call not me mm-hmm. you know and people like that mm-hmm. yeah absolutely well sir i will let you get to your are you hauling water what did you tell me you're doing today oh uh, we're getting ready to put some Pipe in the ground. Gotcha. Well, I will let you carry on with your ranching activities for the day. But I I so appreciate it, it, Bobby. Thank you so much, and congratulations again. I'm. It was just so awesome to see you this weekend. Thank you. We were. We loved it. We had a great time and very honored and very humbled. Now we're ready to get on with life. Yep. On to the maturity. (laughs) I'm going to be a Hall of Famer putting in water. <laughs> the glamorous life of a professional rodeo cowboy. Yeah, I hope that trencher I'm riding route knows I'm all the famer, but I don't think he cares. So. I don't think so either. Yeah. Well, all thanks, right, thank Bobby. You. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for sticking around listening to today's episode. Remember, it was brought to you by Smarty and Weaver Leather and their Synergy line of tack. If you want to learn more about these products, check out ridethebrand.com.